morning, y'all can have a seat. So Trinity Sunday is kind of a, a funny Sunday. I, last night on Saturday night, Father Hauk usually gives a, a little announcement beforehand, which teed me up great, because he did say, and this is true, Trinity Sunday is the only Sunday of the year that is dedicated to a Christian doctrine. So it's sort of an interesting one, and it's sort of a tough one, which is why what you are all witnessing here today is hazing. <laughs> it's a grand tradition of hazing. If you listen closely and real quietly when you leave the church today, you'll hear all sorts of weeping sounds from all the other curates just like me across the diocese, equally struggling. I've got a friend in Irving right now who I know is having a hard time. The reason that it is hazing, and again, it really is hazing, is because the Trinity is so difficult to explain. And to preach on the doctrine of the triune God is to walk into a space that's just minefields, wall to wall. Generations of curates just like me have stumbled and they've cried in front of new congregations because they accidentally preached a Trinitarian heresy. So what I'm going to do as a risk-averse person, which I am, is to at least at first go straight to an oldie, but a goodie, the Creed of St. Athanasius, which if you would like to follow along or take a look at, you can find on page 864 of the Book of Common Prayer there in your pew, 864. So buckle up, maybe stretch out a little bit, get comfortable. Let's delve into the most confounding mystery of the Christian faith. Give you guys a second. Put very basically, the Trinity is this. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. So we neither confound the persons, which are three persons, nor do we divide the substance, which is one substance. So let's put it this way. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they are one substance. They are all the one divine God of Israel, but within that unity, that is the one God of Israel, they are three separate persons, all co-equal, all almighty. There's more. All three are eternal, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but they are not three eternals, they're just one eternal. Everybody hanging in there? It's a tough one. The Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Ghost is Lord, but they are not three lords, they're just one Lord. Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Ghost is God. They're not three gods, just one God. And this is important. Hang in there. The Father is made of none. He's neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone. Not made, he's not created, he was begotten. And the Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son. Neither made, not created, not begotten, but proceeding. But they're all just one God. One God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity. If this feels confusing, that's okay. It's kind of supposed to be a little bit, right? And at the end of the day, the doctrine of the Trinity, it's a mystery. It's a holy mystery, but it's a mystery nonetheless. A few weeks ago, a couple days before I last preached here, and a few days before I was ordained to the transitional diaconate, Father Hauk and I went to dinner together, right up the road there at District 9. And I stepped outside to call my wife. And after I hung up the phone, I was still sitting up front. 
And I started chatting with the waitress out there who was enjoying her smoke break. So we were cracking some jokes about how this guy had parked in a few spaces. Regardless, she asked why I was in Dallas. I said, I'm here to get ordained. She gave it a couple beats. She asked a real interesting question. She said, do you believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Well, yeah, for sure I do. Absolutely. Right? She says, okay. She says, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Yeah, sure I do. I believe it contains all things necessary to salvation. It's a living text when read through the lens of the Holy Spirit. Okay, she says, okay. She says, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God, she asked me. I say, sure, of course I do. He's the second person of the Trinity, true God, true man. This is where it gets interesting. Because she says that that's actually where I disagree with you. She says, I think Jesus was just a great man like the Buddha or Muhammad, but still just a man, she says. I tell her that she's batting a cool 500 here. <laughs> it's not a bad batting average, because she is half right. Jesus is 100% God, but he's also fully man. He's not a 50%, 50% mix. Jesus is not a, a Arnold Palmer. He's a 100-100 mix. He's 200%. He's fully two natures, right? To one person, one will. This is what we call in church speak the hypostatic union. That's my favorite word in church speak. This is one of the great mysteries of the Trinity. That Jesus is equal to the Father in his divine nature, but he is lower than the Father in his human nature. He's perfect God, perfect man. He's the sacrificing priest and the sacrifice. He's Abraham and he's Isaac. He's the temple and the presence in the temple. Because of that, he's the perfect mediator between God and man because he is both God and man. He's both all the time. All the time, he's both. It'd be really easy to dismiss all this and the doctrine of the Trinity is like a fun intellectual puzzle. Something to turn over in our heads a little bit. Or we could maybe chalk it up to interesting dinner conversation. Or a weird icebreaker discussion with a waitress. But Jesus' nature, being both fully man and fully divine, has really real, very critical implications for us as Christian believers. Because Jesus shares our humanity with us, and he shares the Father's divinity, because he offers himself as the sacrifice and intercedes for us to the Father. Because of his being divine heavenly priest and being the sacrifice, we are able to live into the promises that we read about in the passage from Romans today. That God can be accessed through the person of Jesus Christ because in his humanity and in his divinity, Jesus is for us the bridge between God and humanity. He opens up for us that never-ending well of grace from the Father, through the Holy Spirit, to us. Through Jesus, we have obtained access to this grace, Paul says. And two, we boast in our hope of sharing in the glory of God, and we share in the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Because this is important, because while the concept of the Trinity can seem just totally incomprehensible, impossible to understand. 
The Trinity himself, our God himself, he's not inaccessible to us. The Trinity himself, the actual Godhead that we worship, the one unfathomable, incomprehensible, and uncreated God in three persons that is the God of all heaven and all earth can be accessed, if not fully understood. In St. John's Gospel today, Jesus makes a promise to his followers. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And at the end of the day, this is what it's all about, really. This is what the waitress at the German restaurant, though she was a little off base, she was on the road to. This is what we all do every time that we gather in this place and we hear the word of God proclaimed, is that we are seeking to understand what has already been declared to us through the Holy Spirit that has come to us from the Father and the Son. It's our faith seeking understanding. The Trinity is incomprehensible because God's incomprehensible, right? But despite this, he really wants to be known by you. He wants to be understood by you through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and through the life and work of Jesus Christ. He really wants to be known. All of Scripture, all of Scripture cries out to the deep, deep desire of God to be known by humanity. The wonder of the Trinity, and the reason it's always confounded believers, the reason it confounds me is it prompts us to, like an invitation to both belief and to examination. We are asked to simply say yes in belief and then let our intellect sort of catch up with the perplexing nature of the Trinity. And at the same time, and after we've said our yes, it's our responsibility as thinking people and as thinking Christians to interrogate that belief a little bit so that we might gain a fuller understanding of our God who really, really wants to be known. Perhaps you're at the other end of the spectrum here. Maybe after hearing the theology of the Trinity, you say, say no more. Yes, I believe. I'll let theologians deal with the minutia, but I'm totally on board. Maybe the invitation today is to think a little bit more deeply that you might find the riches of knowing God fully in his three persons. As our reading from Proverbs says, does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? Or maybe you've been waiting to say yes to the mystery of the Trinity until you get just one more of your questions answered. You've been turning over this puzzle in your mind for some time now. Maybe you've read some books on it. Perhaps the invitation today is simply giving God your yes, recognizing that our faith in God precedes our understanding of him. Maybe it's an invitation to childlikeness, offering God your simple belief and allowing the complexity of God to be unwrapped like a gift rather than to be solved like a puzzle. Because this is what we do. This is what our faith, it points to ultimately. Because our God, he pours out grace upon grace, but he also provides with us the means to begin to understand him. Because we know that this is true because Jesus promises us that that's true. 
that we will be guided into all truth through the spirit of truth that comes after him. God is incomprehensible, but every time we pray, we are experiencing the life of the Trinity. C.S. Lewis puts it really well. He says, an ordinary, simple Christian, he kneels down to say his prayers. He's trying to get into touch with God. But if he is a Christian, he knows what is prompting him to pray is also God, God inside him. But this ordinary, simple Christian also knows that the real knowledge of God comes from Jesus Christ, the man who was God. That Christ is standing beside him, helping him to pray, and praying for him. You see what's happening here. God is the thing to which this ordinary Christian man is praying, the goal that he is trying to reach. But God's also the thing inside him which is pushing him on towards prayer, the motive power. And God is also the bridge along which that is being pushed towards that goal. So that the whole threefold life of the three personal being is actually going on in that ordinary little bedroom where an ordinary man is saying his prayers. That that man is being caught up in the higher things of life. He's being pulled into God by God while still remaining himself. Because to know him is to love him and to love him is to desire to know him more. Amen.